you do not know exactly how it will come up together or will it come together at all but when it does then it just gives you that kick you know like that positive and kick when you say <sighs> hello and thank you for joining us on solving for x this is the series where we delve into the minds of tedx organizers and ted staff members and we learn about their experience in organizing events I'm your host, Jay Harati, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with Larissa Pak. She's the organizer of TEDx Almaty in Kazakhstan. The curation process at TEDx Almaty is both comprehensive and unique. So listen in as Larissa tells us how her team is able to achieve awe-inspiring TEDx events with a focus on ethics, integrity, and a very human agenda. Let's dive right in. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, we are both sitting in the New York office of TED. Uh, you are visiting us from Almaty, Kazakhstan. And I'm so thrilled to have you here because we've been watching your event over the years. Uh, you do a fantastic event, Thank amazing you. curation. Uh, and also, you, what, what uh, our listeners don't know is that you're a true community leader. I've seen some of the workshops that you've organized. You've been very active. But let's get started. Maybe put people in uh, Almaty and tell them a little bit about your event. Just give them a sense for how long have you been organizing? How big is your event now? Uh, just a little bit of context. Sure. We started uh, almost 10 years ago when uh, TEDx started giving out the first licenses. But me personally, it was a journey. Uh, I wanted to have a club before TEDx. I wanted just to, to have a club with the friends to talk not about something casual or ordinary, but about ideas which would be fascinating. And back then, 10 years ago, we started a club. We called it Hungry Duck. Hungry I don't know, Duck? I don't know why <laughs> we chose that, uh, that name. And we had like 15 people getting together, discussing some cool ideas. And uh, once... I was preparing for uh, for this uh, discussion, and I was browsing the internet, and I found TED Talk, and it was Elizabeth Gilbert's talk. Talk. I was so fascinated. Mm. I was so driven. I and I started just watching TED Talks one after another. Maybe I've watched hundreds, and then I started showing to my friends, to friends of friends, and I said, like, "How come you don't know about it?" Mm. And then I've just realized that I want to do something like that in my uh, in my community. And exactly at that time, maybe, Ted started giving out TEDx licenses, yeah. which was so amazing. I applied. It was like in the middle of the night. I woke up with the idea. Mm. I have to apply. So I did. And uh, I think that our license was one of the first hundreds, which was actually given out to the world. Mm. And since then, it's been a journey because uh, we uh, had already nine events in Almaty, three or four events in Astana, and there are a lot more TEDx events now in Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, Russia joined later. And mm. it's just been amazing how community can be transformed with the power of ideas. So Larissa, before you came to the office, I just went out on my laptop and I Googled Almaty, Kazakhstan, yeah. because I... I wanted to feel like uh -huh. I know, uh, like I'm in the city. But can you describe uh, Almaty to folks who've never heard of it? Kazakhstan is the ninth largest country in the world. So it's mm. after Argentina. 
but in terms of people we're only 18 million people one eight but it's very diverse because we have 120 nationalities living in for example oh. i'm ethnic korean but i was and the third generation born in kazakhstan and we have everybody uyghurs kazakhs uh, russians tatars everybody and that gives a lot of flavor to what we eat, mm. how we communicate, what traditions we absorb. Uh, it's basically industrial country which is trying to break through and uh, make some scene of tech startups. But yeah, we're in the very beginning of it, but very aspiring. And so your recent event described the scale and the how long and how many speakers, what kind yeah, of happens? Yeah, we grew from uh, 250 uh, person event uh, back in 2010 and now uh, and then we scaled up to 750 but then we scaled down uh, to now maybe 550 people the reason we scaled down because uh, we tried different size audience and we realized that the best curation we can provide for the audience is that number of people hmm. for us and how long is the is the event a half a day long half a day no it's full a full day event full yeah day event. you yeah. have about how many speakers uh, usually we have uh, f- minimum 12 maximum 15 speakers yeah okay so so that's what we're going to talk about today okay. i mean there's so many directions that we can go but let's talk about curation and i want to start with something that uh, i heard you say before that the curator is the architect of the event or that the curation process is really kind of shaping the architecture of the event what uh, what did you mean by that yeah, I think that every curator who is listening to this podcast right now would immediately understand what it is because you start with an idea of having an experience for uh, the speakers, for the audience, and then you start imagining it. And it just start developing in your head first. And then you share your, this idea with the team, team contributes, or something uh, is being born in the team. But the whole picture is still just in one person's head. And that should be in the curator of the conference. And then you just distribute the different roles, like a puzzle, you know, you distribute different puzzles to different people, then you do not know exactly how it will come up together or will it come come Mm. together at Mm. all. But when it does, (laughs) and it does beautifully, and Mm. it does at the right time and at the right angles, then it just gives you that kick you know, like that post-event kick when you say, oh, "Yeah, that's how it's amazing." <laughs> that's what I. What's what? That's why I do it. That's why people appreciate, it, and that's how it's just. Yeah, some people uh, from the audience when they write or meet us, they say, "Oh, it's like a new year." You know, we, because New Year for our part of the world is bigger than Christmas, and right. therefore it's like a new year for us. It's such a treat. Thank you for. It's m- like a moment of renewal yeah. and looking forward to something new. Yeah, and that, the, yeah. and that that moment of celebration, the intellectual fest- festivity. Mm process you know mm. when you can just enjoy something so much mm. and when you look forward to it and then it comes <laughs> and everybody works together to bring that curation yeah, image we, or strategy together. we first come we start from discussing the topic the theme we okay. come together it just happened recently we came together we get again we, what we i call we renewed our vows we said why do we want to do it again because it's uh we're all doing it pro bono we are all volunteers therefore we have to say why we are in these relationships for another year. And what did you just say? Why are you in it for another year? And I just said, 
uh, my personal vow was that I am so much in love with the community I live in, and this community really deserves it, and I really cannot um, imagine my lifestyle without mm. this selection process, because even when I'm reading just news, I'm, I'm, I'm subconsciously scanning it for... But for ideas, <laughs> for ideas, TEDx worthiness, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is he worth it? Oh, it's yeah. interesting. Maybe yeah. I should dig I'm into it. Of, is yeah. it worth yeah. spreading? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and every other person, most of most of us, told us yes. It's we're here because of the people, not only in the community, but the people who are in the team, because mm. we're so good friends, and we just um, bring it. It brings the best in us when we get do together. Do you think that as a team you share certain values that, that bring you together? What do you What do you think they are we strive for curiosity for openness uh, for diversity for integrity which is very important mm. because um, sometimes we face a speaker who is great but then we always scan them for this internal integrity is mm. he really a good person is he really going after what he stands for and sense of humor is it a value <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I get yeah. Th- those are all very, very powerful uh, values, and they are, as I've heard you say before, they're very TEDx uh, values yeah. as well. So I'd like to talk about the process of curation, and I'd like you to take us back to maybe the beginning of uh, starting to work on your last event, mm. uh, and give us some specific examples. So, how did you start thinking about? ideas what ideas to find for your next event i think you you mentioned that you start with the theme yeah first. we start with the theme first and then when we start scouting we start what, what was your theme last year the theme was fast forward fast future. forward future. future yeah we wanted to fast forward into the future like 10 years and imagine the world how it would look like and mm. with the ideas beautiful and then uh when you start when people come into the room and you start the process were you already like oh i already have three or four ideas under my belt or do you just start the brainstorming process once you pick yeah the theme? we come prepared we come prepared, we come with, uh, um, everyone has some something which is burning inside, and we start thinking, is it relevant, why is it relevant to us? Uh, because we are also a representative of our community, and if it's burning in us, mm. then it would definitely relate to the majority of the audience. So let's uh, say we picked a theme, start talking about filling in the slate of speakers, yeah. uh, just walk through that process. So we naturally start thinking in different areas so who would we talk about future in science in education in uh, technologies and in this and that and therefore we start pan out and we start uh, like digging into these areas and then start uh, collecting the uh, names of the speakers and we start our desktop research first after uh, we get together we screen it and we say yes we agree then everybody weighs in everybody says oh yeah i think he's good oh i also heard about that one and we come to the list of maybe 30 speakers and after we agree on this list we start reaching out uh, with the first uh, proposition we say hey we're tedx organizers Uh, this is our event this is our website you can look at the uh, previous uh, videos Uh, we're just researching so we believe that you have something interesting what you're working on and would you be interested in meeting up and or just talking on the phone and uh, discussing potential exploring exploring potentially uh, the uh, the conversation and the talk you can give 
it's interesting that uh, the, when you reach out, you do not invite them to speak. No. You invite them for a conversation. Of course. For you to get to know of them. And, uh, and then what happens on that first call? Uh, we just get together. We meet. Um, we see if they understand the uh, format of the conference first. Because some of the speakers would be so excited because they've heard about it. And they would be so willing to... But some just never heard of it. And uh, some of them say, well, I can speak for an hour and a half, <laughs> seated, and that's it. You know, uh, it's not my format of standing and walking. As you showed me on the video, somebody's walking on the stage, like waving hands. <laughs> no way, I cannot do that. I'm an academic speaker. Yeah, so we uh, we come in kind of terms of the format, and then we uh, start talking about his idea or her idea, and then we come back to them and say if we're not interested we'll just say thank you for the meeting but if we are then say if you're still interested in continuing then why don't you write us a short thesis maybe one page two page Uh, so we would understand your idea better and you would understand you mentioned earlier that some speakers uh, are express concern because they're not comfortable with the format and I'm sure scientists and academics fall in that what do you do if they say, yes, I'm interested, but I'm really not comfortable with the format? How do you address it with them? We usually decide it now. Either you're comfortable and you're ready to go for a prep, for a serious prep, or we cannot do it. Right. Yeah, because from our experience, if the person is not is so seriously not comfortable, then he would not be able to deliver. Yeah, and it, it happened to us many times, unfortunately, even at the la- latest stage when mm-hmm. it's the general rehearsal, the dress rehearsal, and the person is just so too anxious to, yeah. to get on the stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned also earlier that uh, you like to work with people who present speakers who have integrity, not, uh, not just experts uh, in their field, but maybe positive role models um, how, do, how do you check that from one meeting and a two page outline that's a hard question because in order to measure integrity I assume you should have integrity within yourself <laughs> you know so it's kind of a compass against yourself and against the team and al- also we check the background if there were any weird right transactions like especially in business in Kazakhstan it's very common you know like the corrupt practices or something and if we know that there was one then we that's why we have so little also few talks on business from Kazakhstan (laughs) (laughs) okay so now you've got your short list and you said it's about 15 people Um, before we go into the process of coaching them I know your event comes in three different languages. So tell us about the languages and what's the filter? How do you think about the end of the whole global multilingual yeah. thing? We believe that the main idea for of TEDx, at least for our region, is to have local ideas. That's mm-hmm. why we explain it to everybody, why we do not bring speakers from outside, why we do not go for big names, because the, the very idea of having people in their community and concentrating the spotlight on the person who is working uh, among ourselves that's the whole point Mm -hmm. because the legacy stays within the legacy of the person the legacy of the idea and then uh, after this talk is published and everybody can find him in the next coffee shop you know and or just uh, talk to him at the event or somewhere else so 
And that's very important to yeah. have local ideas. Do you guys speak three different languages in in well, Kazakhstan? Uh, the main language is Kazakh. Yeah, and we have uh, one of our member of our team is curating speakers in Kazakh. It's Askat Yerkimbay. He's also part of the TED Translators team. Mm-hmm. And so he and uh, Bakat Guli, they are in, uh, um, doing the curation of t- uh, Kazakh language speakers. Uh, me and uh, Sasha and I, I will can I can call names, but uh, we are doing the uh, Russian language speakers and also English language speakers if there is some, because for example, uh, in Kazakhstan we speak two languages, Kazakh and Russian, but some of the speakers, for example, we had a girl, and even though she's a Russian and a Kazakh sp- uh, speaker, she's she's Her like profession was in yeah, English, she's yeah. like I don't know the scientific language in any other but English, so can I please speak in English? And we said okay, yeah, if it's if if you feel comfortable. So sometimes we would we would have uh, speakers right, in English, but primarily yeah. Kazakh, Kazakh and Russian. And, Russian, yeah. and are most people in, in your audience bilingual? Uh, if there are only two languages, then we believe that people are proficient enough. If there is a third language like English, we bring, always bring the, bring the equipment, uh, tra- yeah. the equipment the and translation. Yeah. Okay, so now you've narrowed it down to 15 speakers. Um, What are the ways in which you help them develop their ideas and get prepared for the stage? Uh, Because there are so few, it's not like TED where you have 150 speakers. We can hand curate them. Basically, we come to them with a presentation. I come to every each person, and I would deliver them a mini class, master mm. class. You know, <laughs> so here's the here's the idea. Here's the story. Okay, how can we bring the idea and your stories? What are your stories? How we can uh, put them into this uh, beautiful line storyline? And uh, after that, I would ask everybody to write their speeches uh, into five six pages. It helps them to stream down their own uh, strain of thoughts and also for us to understand how we can uh, jiggle the puzzles, you know. So how can we take this story from the end and put it into the middle or, you know, like uh, move them around. To build a powerful narrative within, within their talk. That's that's what we do, and then after we are happy with the final draft, we have uh, two weeks before the conference, we would have the first uh, rehearsal, uh, where all speakers come and our coaching team comes, and then we will just listen to each other and we would just uh, give our feedback. But it really helps the speakers to listen to themselves, which is very important. Mm. You know, to listen to their own voice, especially if we record them to lo- to look at the body language, to look at the, the flow the, of their talk. Uh, and these two weeks gives them a lot of way for improvement. And that's very critical. And the day before the conference, uh, once we've set the stage, when we put the lights and mic and everything, we do the dress rehearsals. And... Um you, so you you do the rehearsals as a group. It sounded like your whole curation yeah. team. The whole team is meeting mm-hmm. with them. Uh, can you talk about the value of speaker coaching as a team as opposed to one-on-one? It's always interesting because you kind of fall in love and get uh, get carried away with the speaker's idea and the conversation, and then somebody else from the team listens him uh, the speaker for the first time, and, <laughs> and he's like, like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, <laughs> so like, well, here's the logic is missing. It's like, how's it missing? No, 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 it's all there. No, no, you have to elaborate here, or you have to add details here, or maybe you. It would be cool if you start with this instead of that and it always brings a myriad of mm. uh, angles and usually we listen to each other so yeah it makes sense 
And how do you make sure, because it sounds like you provide a lot of support, which is wonderful, to the speaker yeah. to really help them bring out. But how do you get a sense of uh, ownership from them so that they don't fall to rely on you too much, that they're, they yeah. somehow feel like they're doing the work uh, and not just like that you're going to perform some kind of miracle? Part of the responsibility starts with writing because sometimes a person is not willing to write it because he says, oh, I'm such a profound speaker. I'm, I teach at the university. Right. I do this and that. I speak uh, publicly every day, so I know my I know the drill. But no, 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 I, this is different. Blah, blah. So please write. And then as soon as the person starts putting the words into the order, <laughs> then we understand uh, if he or she follows the idea if he follows us and then i think that that's critical for owning the idea yeah and i guess because i do the same if i if i give a talk i write the script and i work on it i work on it i work on it if you're working on the script you're kind of into it you know it's yeah. your script then the rest is just the rest of the team is helping you deliver it and refine it but you're, you're vested in it um how do you make sure if you follow the same process for every speaker, how do you make sure that they don't all sound the same? That's the feedback we got last year. Because after doing it for so many years, <laughs> I think that we, and also listen to so many TED Talks, we just realized that maybe the tone of the speakers really does sound the same. Or the style of presentation. And that's why they call it TED style. Mm. Well, it's, it's kind of like the the... Trademark. The result. Well, also <laughs> when you when you do something for like nine years, like you have, and you start putting really good processes in place, and now everybody's really good at what you do. It's almost like the negative impact of that is that it could start becoming like a little bit too similar. Exactly. So, so now you got that feedback. What what are you gonna do about it? We, How do you think about it? The, uh, this year, the idea of reinvention basically comes from from reinventing everything including our internal processes and the way we think about the experience at the events and experience with the speakers and i don't know how it would look like because we're just starting um i hope that we will be able to see a new arc of the experience of the person uh, both the speaker and the uh, visitor and it's something to work it's on. It's something to work on, and that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, it's a it challenge. Come up, yeah. And I'll tell you, we, we have that. I mean, we, we are sitting here in the building at TED, and I know that it happens to us. Like, there, I've heard in some situations that a person would go to one of the TED conferences, and they can listen to the speakers, and they go, oh, I know which coach, which speaker yeah. coach worked with them. So that's things that we work on to encourage each coach to think of don't follow a formula, yeah. mix up the people who work with them, encourage everybody to just bring out the authenticity that's what's and exactly individuality. exactly what's happening to our speakers because, for example, we have we say, oh, it's a personal story. Oh, let her take the, that, that right. coach because she works great with the personal stories. Oh, this is a tech talk. Then, oh, let, let Larissa handle it because she loves tech talks. Uh. You know, like, okay. And then, <laughs> and then the audience who comes to us every year for 10 years, they would know, ah, it looks like Larissa curated that person <laughs> or somebody who knew. <laughs> right. No, yeah. that's good. So mixing it up is uh, a really important process. When you watch a talk, when you're seeing the, and you're watching the final rehearsals uh, and it just looks good, mm -hmm. um, how do you know that something is, is missing in the talk or maybe it's like, 
what is that thing that could just take it a notch up? I wish I knew. It's a secret sauce, huh? Mm. It's art. <laughs> it's an art. It's an art. It's, it's not a science. Art. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes it just doesn't come. And then we just make it professional. So it would deliver the idea, mm. even with this special oomph, you know. Mm. But sometimes it just comes from th- from within the person. And I believe that the secret sauce all is only within the person who delivers the talk. If he's really sincere, he's really she's really passionate about it. And if she's really caring about the topic she's talking about, then it it's working magic. Yeah. Mm. So does your job to bring that out, yeah. to bring out the real person. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And help Can you think of a talk that really well, I'm sure there are many uh, but a talk that blew you away because because the person did come out and the idea was strong, but the person delivered it in the strong way. Okay, I have two stories. One story is about the person who delivered the talk and then another uh, story is about the person who was in the audience. So the first story is uh, it's the talk delivered by Yerlan Sagadiv. Uh, so he was speaking about the importance of differentiating using the languages in education and in culture because we are a trilingual country and it's always a debate. Uh, so if you want to have a, a baby, should we give it to him to the uh, primary care in Kazakh or Russian? Should he go to the uh, school in Kazakh or Russian, you know, mm. or English? And therefore, uh, so many spark, uh, sparks of this uh, in the families, in the communities. So it's a beautiful talk, which, which has received a lot of views online. And uh, two years later, he was promoted to being the Minister of Education. Huh. So it was really something we are proud of. And the story and number one is uh, from Story the, number two, you mean? Yeah, story number two. Uh, a friend of mine, actually, from Kyrgyzstan, from a neighboring country, she came to visit and to listen to the talks. We had the theme back then, uh, Ideas for the City 2.0. And she was so inspired by the whole ideas and the approach that we can change our own cities. She came back to Bishkek and she changed her job. She decided to go to uh, be elected into the mayor's office. Uh, She became the delegate, you know, like she started working for the uh, community. And then she became the minister of education. And then she became the vice minister of Kyrgyzstan, basically, uh, vice prime minister. So... I'm just saying that the profound effect which is uh, which idea can make can move you in so many different directions. It can We're, change the course yeah, of the career absolutely. of the speaker, mm. but, all, but, but as importantly, the people in the audience, in the audience yeah. and give you enormous satisfaction as the team <laughs> that, uh, that puts it together. Yeah. As you prepare a speaker, can you talk about the difference between kind of building an argument or, or a logical argument in a talk to present an idea versus coming up with a sensational talk when a speaker brings more logic than emotions yeah we usually start with something with the question with the simple questions like how did you come up with this idea where were you when you thought about it first or who were your uh, colleagues or who you were with or do you remember Mm. when was the first time you you felt strongly about it Mm. you know so it and then the person starts uh coming up with the memories mm. and then we record those memories so I make some remarks you know so and then after we finish uh, the the interview let's say then I would say hey remember you told me this story why don't you put it into this uh, like introduction or why why don't you in, uh, put a little bit of this into the 
and then a person I think can get an idea what we're really looking forward uh, looking for yeah and then he was some ah yeah and maybe this and maybe that but sometimes it's just uh, the person is too academical or too um, accustomed to a certain uh, way of delivering a talk then but you can bring that out but it's but yeah. this is a great I guess one of those questions could be like why did you become a yeah. scientist of these things what did what were your hopes and dreams when you started exactly. what are your hopes and dreams today yeah. and then you can help them weave that in yeah. into them that's a really really interesting technique I, I like I like Thank that you. story yeah. <laughs> um, you've now curated and speaker coached for nine years but uh, along the way did you get to a point where you were like, oh my God, this is so much more complicated and I thought, I don't know how to help this speaker. I'm kind of in over my head. What am I going to do? Um, and what of did you do? Of course, Jay. <laughs> 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 We've had it like at almost at every year's event, you know. And uh, la- last year, there was uh, one situation which I really didn't know how to deal with because um, a person who was supposed to deliver a talk, he really had a very solid uh, background and work done. And if he would have delivered that talk, that would really show some prominence in the field. But when he first, when he sent me the draft, the draft was obviously written not by him because I talked to him in mm. person. I knew that how he speaks. And I realized that he asked somebody else to write it. Then I gave him these comments and I said, no, I would like to have that story you told me when we met. I want like that be introduced into the, in this draft. And he couldn't do it. So, but I was still dragging him on me, you know, like, yeah. no, 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 I just want this idea to be delivered. <laughs> and then the time came for the first rehearsal and he comes and he sits at the back of the room and he gives his vocal remarks about other people's talking and I honestly I didn't know how to deal with that because it would be too impolite for me to publicly come up to him and say could you please hold on to your remarks and at last uh, he waited until everybody finished and then uh, he comes up on the stage and he started delivering his talk and then it's obviously not up to, up to the draft and eventually uh, somebody in the manner he was given remarks somebody tried to make fun you know and also remark on his talk right, take a little revenge moment. and he just went nuts oh. you know like publicly yeah. nuts and then we just i had to stop the whole rehearsal i took him out of the room i said we're really sorry but this is not in the lines of mm. the way and not in the spirit we do our um work so i would really appreciate if you just if you discontinue at this point and that was so heartbreaking for me because i was really going after his idea and i really wanted him to deliver it but it just didn't work for him as a personality and that's when i when i say the integrity of the person really comes strong you know Mm. it's really important interesting yeah that's a hard thing to do yeah especially shortly before the event not all organizers work as hard as you to transfer knowledge and to make other TEDx organizers successful. And I'm wondering, what's behind your motivation to do it? Where is this coming from? I would like to say that people I meet during this journey are really amazing. Mm. And I believe that all TEDx organizers and the people who come to our events, they're amazing in their own ways. So I wish my life would consist only of people. <laughs> <laughs> would be so amazing. 
you know because i truly believe if a person is curious and open-minded and is adventurous in a sense then sooner or later he will or she will come to our events and then she would discover the world of ideas and then she would uh, he would spread it further and he would bring more people into that so we we kind of been viral in the sense of spreading this uh, not only the ideas by itself but the lifestyle you mm. know the lifestyle of being open-minded and being adventurous so i guess it's just in my DNA, in mm. a sense, mm. to to have all those people replicated and uh, just being being brought together. So I just love that feeling, uh, knowing that there is a tribe that I can relate to anywhere in the world, and that this white force is stronger than the dark force. <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I thank you, so, yeah. thank you. That's beautiful, and thank you for for being part of that. Uh, beautiful, bright, wonderful force that you bring to TEDx, to your community, to the world, to all of us here when we see the work that you do. And and thanks for taking the time to join us on this podcast. It was uh, an amazing journey today and as if I have traveled in time. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Future fast forward. Yes. Or fast forward future. Future. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Larissa. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Solving for X. We love to talk about curation and we love to hear from different organizers who come from all over the world. So perhaps you too can share your own insights about curating your event on our TEDx hub so that we can all learn from each other. I hope to see you again soon on another episode of Solving for X.